All right, ready, ready to roll? Certainly. Okay. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Big Blue Bent podcast. I am Jeff Joseph, your host. Um, we've had guests that have been coming in and coming out and maybe coming. I think we may have one coming later. But for now, it's kind of just a one-on-one show. And this is Robert Presser, uh, an entrepreneur, a former uh, Progressive Conservative Party of Canada yes. candidate, wine connoisseur, as he's displaying. Because we can do this. We're not broadcast television. We don't have very strict <laughs> standards rules. It's the joy of doing the podcast. So uh, it's just Robert and I, and we're going to see how lo- we're going to see how long we want to hold this on. And uh, I think Dr. Roy uh, Epen may be joining us soon, but we'll see how it goes. So Robert, um, op-ed writer, also. So we've had good we've had good issue. We haven't had done the show in about in a little under two weeks, but um, it's funny. I think the first thing we want to bring. I think the first thing we can bring up is, uh, and again, I, I've said it's almost like a broken record, and I bring this up almost every show of late. Um, anything related to China and uh, Chinese Communist Party and foreign interference still not going away. So I think since the last show, um, we did have uh, Katie Telford testify before committee um, as to what she knows or didn't know about uh, the foreign interference and and the, this so-called CSIS intelligent documents. Um, so that that was one moment, and then of course. Uh, you know, it was going in and out and it just seemed to go out of a new cycle. And then really just a few um, earlier today, uh, we had a now a Globe and Mail story. And this got really interesting because apparently uh, that Robert Fife and Robert Fife was on this one. And this involves uh, basically um, a, a CSIS intelligence brief uh, two year, that, that that came around around two years ago. It's vague. Uh, we, we don't. I can't say officially yet whether the PMO and Trudeau knew about it or not. You can infer your own. Except this one basically involved um, in the Consul General's office in Toronto. Apparently, um, an official there whose name has come up before in all this. Uh, basically, uh, they got it. There was information that this person had suggested that the family of Michael Chong, uh, the Conservative MP. Uh, and the foreign affairs critic, um, uh, he has family over in Hong Kong, and this official in, uh, from the Chinese consulate, uh, the, the consul general's office, basically su- suggested that um, Mr. Chong's family uh, was being, uh, pick your words, monitored, uh, they watched, uh, intimidated, so to speak. And the interesting part here is. The allegation now is that the Liberals or Trudeau or the PMO or all of them uh, covered up this information. Mr. Chong did not know about it. Uh, He read it in the newspaper this morning. And um, so the assumption is that CSIS did have the briefing document. Um, The Liberals ignored it, didn't do anything about it, and didn't even authorize CSIS to communicate with Chong. So this is getting some pretty serious stuff. Or at least it looks like on the surface, Robert. Is it serious stuff, and is this going away? I don't know. Like, okay. So the lesson of Canadian political scandals is that the more complicated it gets, the less the public is going to pay yeah. attention to it because they can't process the information. You may recall the HRDC uh, funding scandal of the early two thousands. Sure where the Liberals blew $4 billion in all kinds of grants and subsidies, it had no traction. And I recall asking a member of the press 
why this thing wasn't going anywhere. And they put, told me point blank, it's too complicated. So we're at the point now where the scandal with alleged Chinese interference and, and who's involved, it, it's getting too complicated. People like simple scandals, sponsorship scandal, relatively understandable. It had legs. I just came from D.C. I stayed at the Watergate Hotel. Oh, people broke into the Democrats' office and it was covered up. Relatively simple scandal. Now we're getting into all kinds of stuff and cover-ups and who knew what when. And Telford provided hours of non-testimony before a committee. The Canadian public is more concerned about rising interest rates yeah. and falling real estate values, which affect them directly in terms of their equity yeah. and their cash flow, much more so than this scandal. So I'm afraid that this thing is gonna go into the summer and unless that there's some kind of huge emergence of new information that is packageable in a way that the public will understand it, this will fail to be an election issue whenever that's actually going to happen. Yeah. Right, listen, I agree with you. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, unless an election suddenly happens in the next couple of months, and then maybe it, it gets out there. Um, I tell you, in all the Chinese stuff, I think, believe it or not, I, I think the simplest one, and even that one, I don't know if it's going to resonate. And this is another one that, you know, we're hearing more, you know, we've gotten more and more information. Well, the big thing was this whole um, Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation breakdown. Uh, this didn't, this has also happened since the last show where um, the CEO and a whole bunch of the board of directors and a whole number of mentors suddenly all resigned en masse. This is over this Chinese, this uh, Chinese donation, uh, totaled up to up to a million dollars to the foundation, um, and it, it looks like an influence buying thing. And they gave the money back, but now there's question marks about the check itself, and it's kind of and they all resigned on mass because of they couldn't figure out who wrote the, who what the check was, and the CEO didn't know about it, and Alexandra Trudeau's name appeared on it to make it say like Alexander organized it and the board a lot of the board at the time didn't know about it. I think honestly I think that's the simplest scandal scandal so to speak of them all but I don't even no, no. know Jeff that registered. you you think it's simple I don't think yeah. you're one of 2,500 people in the country yeah who are actually a paying attention and yeah. b have the education and intelligence to understand what's going on I have news for you Everybody interferes in some degree in everybody's yeah. elections. It's a tradition. And if you're the United States and you don't like the government, you overthrow them later. I don't know, Mossadegh in 53, Salvador Allende, oh, shall 100%. I continue the list? So, so just because technology uh, has permitted us to do this more in a more sophisticated fashion, doesn't mean the fundamental trend no has, it's true has changed exactly this has gone on for decades if not centuries it will continue to go on yeah and so the, the question we should be asking is above all the noise 
is how do we ensure the strength of our democratic institutions? Correct. I was in Chile um, three weeks ago for a Canadian trade mission, and we were briefed on various things in the, the Chilean political system and the Chilean economy. And one of the most important things we were briefed on was the strength of Chilean institutions, is that given their history, they have created strong, independent, well-defended by laws, political and governmental and financial institutions. And so the question Canada should be asking itself is, are our institutions secure enough? Can they resist and overcome political interference, or if not interference, at least influence? Can we supersede all of that? So that's the question we have to be asking. And if we're going to call some kind of national inquiry and, you know, after uh, Mr. Johnston gets, gets through with this, we should go beyond who knew what when and ask a more important question, what do we have to do to strengthen our institutions against any interference from any country whatsoever? And I, I, you know what? And I don't. I, and so far, the solution. I don't think. I don't think in the end there's going to be one a one hundred percent foolproof solution. And I know. Listen, I know. You know, I, I know through Leo Sakos, et cetera. Oh, it goes back. I mean, we were talking a lot of. I mean, we hear about this topic of the foreign agent registry, um, which I think could help, but I don't think it's going to be a catch. I think it's helpful, but I don't think it's going to be a catch-all. And I think. You know, I, I I think it helps, but we have to be cognizant of the fact that um, good foreign interference people are always going to find that little loophole, yeah. that little entrance. And the question becomes, how much are we going to tolerate um, within it? Um, although, I, like I said, I, I still say to this day, a good political party with a good platform, and, and I would say these days, one that can truly empathize um, with the lot of a lot of Canadians. I think that's, I think that would supersede any kind of uh, all these little machinations, uh, micro machinations here beside the sea. I think good policy triumphs what, in the end. What, what concerns me more than anything else is our poor participation rates. Yes. You know, what I would, the, the greatest threat to democracy is yeah. people not participating. What would be different in Canadian democracy if 85 or 90% of eligible voters participated and engaged in the process? I would say that we'd have a much stronger country because governments would, would emerge with more significant mandates. How many people voted for me? Yeah. You know, look. Bill Clinton was elected by 17.5% of the American population. Yeah. Let's, let's not forget yeah. that. Yeah. So, so I already asked the question, what can we do to strengthen our institutions? My next question is, how do we get more Canadians to actively participate in the process and not be detached? And that's a, and that's a riddle because, you know, I, I, you know, if you look at it, I, we haven't had a real okay 2015 was 
fairly good, although I think a lot of that was, I, I, and honestly, I mean, a lot of it was, you know, a lot of people just said, you know, Harper's got to go. And they just came out in mass. But other than that, we really haven't had a really good solid election saying, you know, you know better. When, not, when, Mulroney won the, when Mulroney won the two times, those were solid, yeah. solid victories with solid over 70% turnout, which is pretty darn good. Um, yeah, we, we, we've also, to a certain extent, diluted the value of elections. We have. We, we you know, Trudeau had no reason to call the last election. No. None. Zero. Had he waited another year, ironically, I think he would have won a majority government, but he was punished for calling an election and inventing some superfluous reasons for having done so. Yeah. And, you know, I heard rumors of a June election, a summer election coming up. Oh, my God. It'll it'll cost the liberals government if they call an election this summer, if they have the nerve to do it. Oh, I say the same thing. I mean, whether the conservatives deserve to be elected or not is a separate issue. It will be a completely negative vote against Trudeau for having wasted our time once again with no pressing issue. Exactly. No, and I, and and that's what it is, right? Because and if he calls it, I'm telling you, I think honestly, the second he calls it, it it would instantly you know, I remember the last. You remember the last election when when Trudeau actually called it. Like O'Toole picked up like two point, like two 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 and a half points instantly. Right, just just for calling because he also called it when that all that stuff was going on in Afghanistan. I remember, remember. So and, and it was and it hurt. But then I mean, obviously O'Toole couldn't hold hold it and and it, and it fell apart. As no matter what, whenever the next election uh, takes place, is there going to be two camps? There's going to be the one camp that says. The I want my check vote. Yeah. Against the I'm thoroughly disgusted vote. Yeah. And we'll see which block is bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the end that that's ultimately going to be it. Um, yeah, but I say, look at Trudeau calls it now. I was like, how could he there, there there's no basis for him to call like but although the interesting part is if you're camp Trudeau right now, how can you like if you're polling 26, 28 percent? That we know publicly, I don't even know what it's internal. Internal usually could be a little worse. You know, at least when he called 2019, when he called 2021, he's sitting low 30, 32, 33, 34%. You got it there. How do you call when you're 20, when you're quite a few, you're, you're a few points behind? Like, it's almost like you've got to have something buried there that you could bring out. That'll give you an insight. And I don't know. Honestly, you bring out the wedge is. issues. You bring out yeah. the threats of cuts. You you bring yeah. out the traditional anti-Tory toolbox, yeah. which unfortunately works in the urban centers. Yes. Like, like there's a built-in base that will just buy that. I, and I think it's worked all the time. I think the only real exception might have been 2011, 2011 when Harper finally got the majority. And even then, they just... They they managed it with some creative carving out that actually Trudeau's kind of outmastered us because it's very data efficient, right? It's you know Look, it's like Trudeau we'll, wins the last election on nineteen. We'll we'll right? see we'll see what comes out of our convention in September. I agree. If we come out as angry and vindictive and narrow, we're you know they'll just use that against us in in an election whenever that may be. 
And I, and I had to tell you, I've, I've literally had multiple conversations the last couple of weeks and I've said, and you know, people could say, well, when, when's the earliest Trudeau could call it? I said, and I, and I always say he could call, he, he might have an opportunity in the fall. And the only reason he'd be able to call it is if he, if they, if the Canadians actually see that the conservative yeah. national convention, which is the weekend after labor day turns into a whole tent a circ of war a, a, a war a, a bunch of warring tribes yeah on issues like abortion and guns and the environment that's what they're waiting for if we're like, not careful yeah. we will create the liberal winning conditions exactly and i think the the opportunity could be there so now conversely i i i get this feeling that i mean the conservative the brain trust now uh, in the in the in the office of the leader of opposition is going to have to be really nimble and really good at trying to snuff these fires out uh, before they happen. And obviously that will, would happen with particularly the policy proposals in terms of what makes it to the floor. Yeah, but they, they have to be in opposition to the fires. Right. Okay? You know, right. I, I, I was around in the final years of, of the Harper era, and I can tell you that the staff as a whole had drunk the Kool-Aid to yes. the nth degree. Yeah. You know, it, 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 there there was no sense in in talking moderation to anybody at that time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And so, and so I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get. You, look, I don't know what we're going to get. We're we're early stage right now. So I don't know what to predict, but I do agree and you agree it if we end up presenting a real circus there and real big fights over guns and abortion and environment so we, we will have killed the urban vote and that's prop that might be Trudeau's best. And he might even think last opportunity because I don't think anyone's really keeping a secret. It's more and more obvious that Trudeau seems to want to have one more election. You watch the dynamics in the house of commons with him and Polly He's got a, this is a very personal thing for him. Oh yeah. He, you know, the, his demeanor and his, you know, some of you know, we'll call it narcissism but or whatever. You know what? Polyev yeah. is the best performer yes. on the front bench since John Crosby. 100%. I perfect name to bring up. It's true. Because you watch, yeah. There was there was there, frankly, there was no one better. There was no one who could package an argument with humor and sarcasm better than John Crosby. 100 percent And 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 Polyev is fabulous. I yeah. saw the clip of of him trying to sing New York, New, New York. York, New York. It was great. And by, by the way, the Americans do not care. Okay. No. I spent an entire week on the U.S. East Coast. Trudeau's visit to New York got zero coverage, not minimal coverage, zero, zero coverage. Yeah. No one gives a damn when Justin comes south, unless yeah. he's in Washington and he's in front of Biden nobody covers it no i know that listen i go to I, listen i go to the united states many times and and you know some of trudeau's great admirers here think oh he's he's a rock star when he gets out of here and he's he's i maybe he had a little bit coming into 2015 he had you know because yeah, there was a you know, novelty at the time right there was a novel and that's what i'm saying but now it, it's gone it's gone they're they're, they're not interested no he, he's um, not I got I got to tell you a little story though. Yeah, while tell. while I was away last week, I had the opportunity to see 
uh, Trudeau in a one-on-one -on -one interviewing the German president who came to the who was in Ottawa last Monday. Yeah. And uh, Trudeau did a one-on-one -on -one interview with him uh, back and forth at University of Ottawa. He was yeah. great yeah. as an interviewer in a small crowd. He did a fabulous job. So should he ever lose the prime minister's office? He has a future on like cross-country checkup. Yeah. As, as the interviewer. <laughs> That's true. He did a marvelous job. Really. I, yeah. I really enjoyed and, and I really liked that the German president spe speaks relatively clean German. So I could follow what was going on mm. without the translation. <laughs> Great. I mean, it's good. That's true. Yeah, and and just so the audience knows, so Trudeau goes to New York, and it was funny because a lot of his diehard followers go, "Oh, he's going to an important international conference," and then oh, you're going, like, "It wasn't. It was a. It was a schmooze fest. <laughs> it was, and I tell you, it was literally. It's it was chair. It's it's a group meeting for the second year. It's an organization headed by Chris Martin of the band Coldplay. It's ambassador. Well, there's a great picture again. It, their ambassador is Hugh, the actor Hugh Jackman. So I was yeah. like, yeah, he's hanging with Wolverine. This is. They people thought, oh, because he he had made a financial announcement of giving some money to some cause or something. They said, oh, this is going to be an important conference. It wasn't. It was no just way. a celebrity information gathering about client. I mean, they they could have had it on DiCaprio's boat or something for all anyone cared. But is it impacting Trudeau? No. I mean, the only thing, the only, the only kind of the people who really don't like the only way this affects Trudeau is amongst the people again. And I think you alluded to the start of the show. People are concerned about inflation, interest rates, real estate declining, all this, all this financial stuff. And then, it, and then it becomes like the gel, you know, just like we gin up the, you know, the $6,000 night London suite and all this time. And they see Trudeau doing stuff like this and they're looking like, Oh, he's walking away. Oh, he's living the good life on our dime. I, I suppose you can generate some anger that, but that's not going to be the, but the, the, you know, the, 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 the push button issue come an election time it's just yeah it's something that builds up the case I, I think in the end really um which brings us to another thing with trudeau because while he was in new york uh one thing we did have happen since this since um uh, since our lad broadcast is we had the biggest federal the, the biggest um labor strike in canadian history this is the PSAC union hundred and fifty thousand federal workers walked off the jobs um they were looking for big picket. They've been without a contract for two years. And then actually suddenly just yesterday. Yeah. Uh, well, actually early morning, in the morning, three in the morning, in the morning, there was a tentative agreement. They were yeah. back at work today. Um, I long said that, you know, there were some bets around I, I uh, from people I know, maybe I don't, you maybe have different. Uh, there was bets amongst us that said, wow, the union could hold till about May 10th. That was going to be, because that's the next, that would been the next paycheck day. And that's when they finally lose pay. I was telling people, Hey, wait a minute. The Liberal National Convention is coming up this week. I don't think they want to have big picket lines surrounding their building in Ottawa where they're holding it. So yeah. anyways, they came to an agreement, four-year deal, 12.6% increase, yeah. uh, $2,500 lump payment, it's pensionable earnings, all that crap. Um, take on the strike. Robert, you did stuff in the federal service. So what was your take on this whole strike? Look, and I, I think the most losing? important thing to come out of that agreement is the fact that there's a seniority protection yes. in case there are cuts by a future government. Yeah. So basically, this, this deal entrenches 
a lot of the growth in the civil service that has occurred in the Trudeau years, it's going to be very hard to reduce the size of the civil service unless you get expensive voluntary early retirements, which which is you know not not out of the out of question here. It, it can certainly happen. But I was surprised it ended this quickly. In other words, I, I have I have a feeling that everybody knew in advance where they were going to end up. And it was a question of how long the posturing was going to go on. But but remember, th- this this is a government in the free money era. You know, we're throwing yeah. money all over the place. You know, given that money has no value, I'm kind of disappointed we didn't blow fifty billion on high speed rail between Quebec City and Windsor. Like, sure. whoa, what's fifty billion? What's dollars? fifty? Well, you know? yeah. Hey, we have okay. thirteen. Hey, we have thirteen billion for an electric car plant in Ontario, right? right? Oh, at at a cost of. $433,000 per year per job. Right. Okay. By the way, by the, way the, the, the acquisition of Canadair in the time, in its time, was $300,000 a job in whatever that was. Hold on, because I was doing it at the time, 1989. Earlier, 1989 no? or $1990. Yeah, 80s, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, this is a big number. Uh, historically speaking, it's not the biggest number. No. But it shows you what we are prepared to pay within the context of the green transition. Yeah. You know, maybe it's going to work, but was this the most effective use of tax dollars? Okay. Would it not happen anyway? I'm not so sure. And you know, I, I I think we've sold the whole green transition and carbon reduction thing the wrong way. I think we should say, regardless of its effect on the environment, we have a resource, carbon-based, yeah. that has a finite future. Correct. Should we be moving away from it? The answer is yes. Of course. Should we be creating hysteria around this movement? No, we should not. And we the polls show that we have traumatized my wife working for Leisure. You can see a little portrait. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm staring at it. Actually. Yeah, that's that that that's Sandy. Her yeah. her polling has showed that millennials are traumatized by the environmental threat. Who created the trauma? Government created Government. the trauma. I know. We we are ruining the mental health of a generation rather than presenting a balanced argument about a transition to a sustainable green economy. Yeah. This is the greatest travesty we have foisted um, upon not only Canadian young, but Western young, yeah. period. Yeah. No, and then, you know, they understand, that's, a, that you know, it's part of the reason you, the, our, our youth, and I mean, I have a high school age son still, and you hear that, they like, they're, they're beating over a pole. And they actually, a lot of them act like, oh, we, you know, they take up smoking and vaping and all these bad habits and stuff yeah, like that. Well, the end is near. They're, the end is near. We might as well have a good time. Before, yeah, Drink enjoy the living. party. That's, that's the way we it is. We have 10 and years it, to live before the icebergs sink us. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute travesty because it's so 
embedded in their head that we're all going to die. Um, you know, that's what it is. And and it's either government presents a, a nuclear, well, not <laughs> metaphorically speaking, the, a nuclear solution to, to magically yeah, stop. That's the irony. Well, that's, that's the, the irony, we're, right? We're, we're, I mean, we're finally going to implement fast breeder reactor. Right. Uh, yeah, Trudeau is all of a sudden embracing it now. I know. 50 years after it first became feasible. Exactly. Right. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I was totally amazed when, when, when I was watching this interview with the German president. And Trudeau was talking about energy alternatives. And he actually said it quite bluntly that nuclear has a place in Canada's green energy future. Finally. Finally. That's what I, I say. Finally. Nuclear. It was fine. I, I have to tell you, I, I was in when I was in university many years ago, many decades ago. <laughs> and, I read, and I was actually lucky. I was in one of my first courses. I remember I, I had a, it was a, um, a geography course and it was talking about energy and, and i always remember the professor it was one of the first course, first days was university i think first day i was in university first course and i remember i had a professor and I, maybe it was dumb luck or something the professor said right away he goes i'm going to tell you right now i love nuclear power if you don't you don't want to stay in this class <laughs> and but damn right and he was he spent the whole i mean he, he gave lip service to geothermal and solar power and stuff like that he got always excited about nuclear power. And this was like 1980 something. And yeah, I mean, but it still holds true today because honestly, if we're going to, if look, the VW plant thing with electric cars, my biggest problem with the whole thing is if this was such a good investment, why wouldn't private investment come in? And even, even irrespective of why do we have to throw so much money on the table? And by the way, okay. Canada did it for this plant. All the other countries are doing it for all the other plants. Yes. And and you can make all kinds of arguments and say that we, we have to allow these industries to scale up yeah. until they're economically viable. Fine. Let's just be transparent in why we're doing it. We understand it's a lot of money. We understand that some of it is a shot in the dark, but we got to take that shot. And it may work may fail but we have to try just tell us yeah and, and I think you know the what public would go for it yeah and and I, you're right because I was, the other part I was going to say is we're also putting a lot of money into a type kind of technology that in 10 years we may not even we we might find something better than the electric car it could be in the hydrogen cell or something else at, at which point we've just thrown a lot of money for nothing that that it, that becomes like an extinct uh, a method of a method of delivery for for automobiles. We we don't no, know, I but don't I would love an, a government to be honest and say that. Yeah, and you just know, say we're we, taking we say, a gamble. We know, you know, it. government should say, look, we've got to try a lot of different stuff. Yeah, to see what scales economically. Yeah, we're in an experimental phase. That experimental phase may last twenty years. But we're prepared to try. Yep. Or, or look, you could either do that or just say, you know what? I'll throw the thirteen billion dollars into developing the best scientists, scientists, and science we have around to study to 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 develop the the energy sources of the future, or something like that. So that would be our niche to the world. Instead of 
you know, being the actual developer that hey, we're yeah. the guys who created the science for it, or like something like that. So it's 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 yeah, it's a it's a it's a fascinating time. But the VW credits. Um, I just want to tell you know what? I just want to go to one more topic for today because we could end up going to fifty topics in one show. So the one thing I, it really got buried by the news, and and I guess um, you know we we have uh, both of us have a kind of more intimate involvement with the story. Um, one thing that obviously happened early last week, and it's almost like yesterday, beyond yesterday's news now, is of course um, Aaron O'Toole finally uh, it did announce that he's stepping down. He you know he announced he, he tendered his resignation as the MP. Um, you know, obviously the former leader of the party. He's obviously going to leave. Probably do very well in the private sector somehow, some way. Um, it's probably a good time to just kind of deliver like a final address of. The, the real postmortem for for the Aaron O'Toole era of the Conservative Party, which um, is is rapidly disappearing. Um, you know, I obviously had a, a heavy involvement uh, in the 2021 campaign. Robert, you weren't so bad. You weren't too bad yourself um, either. Thoughts on on Aaron O'Toole uh, looking back? Looking back. Look, he was a good, honest, hardworking guy who attempted to present reasonable policies, but at the same time, he campaigned for the leadership further to the right than he campaigned in an election. And given the current membership of our party at that time, that was not forgiving. No, it wasn't. It really so, wasn't. It really wasn't. And and I think there was two things. I think... It, it in turn it alienated it well you're right he he was the blue the true blue as this is caves when he ran and then he well, kind what's of, true blue anymore can somebody I, tell me i i have no clue i, I don't I, think I'm, there is a uniform true blue across the country no i mean uh, what am i as an old progressive conservative well i think i let it's true it's a very good point and i i totally agree with you by the way i think it was when he campaigned he was supposed to be True blue versus that centrist red Peter McKay guy. Then he became the leader. And all of a sudden, when we came to an election, he decided he was going to be kind of more of a McKay platform than, than an Aaron O'Toole true blue platform. And the problem was it alienated a lot of the support, not only the supporters that voted for him, but I think the real death now was, and in, we particularly saw it when he threw the whole mechanics, when he threw out his green plan, he alienated the caucus, Look, which always I, I loved think, him. I don't think our voters stayed home. No. But in the urban centers where we really needed to get a vote, if you're going to have a neoliberal platform, you might as well vote for the real thing who will probably give you a bigger it. check anyway. Right. And that was it. And listen, I you know, look, I, 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 Micro. I mean, I was intimately at the doors. I mean, granted for one riding, but I talked to people that, in other urban ridings, and it was virtually the same. It was a lot of. We, we did hear a lot of, even the urbans. We said, "Don't man, don't like Trudeau," but I can't get myself sold on this Aaron guy because he sounds too. It was funny because it was either he's too much the same, or at the 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 other micro the, the other fascinating thing was you know this whole topic about mandates and vaccinations where you had potential conservative supporters split on he was being he 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 wasn't he wasn't restrictive enough 
and supportive of like where Trudeau went and others who said, oh, he was he, he was too he was too loose. He should have he should have been tight. He was too loose and he was too tight. And it, it was conflicted. So, you, we, you know, you split it off votes between the conservative, the PPC. But I think actually the one thing that beat them both was I'm not going to vote at all. So mm-hmm. it became yeah, a no well, you, the turnout dropped and, and the turnout um, dropped. You know, our previous, previous leader yeah. <laughs> continues to happily sit in the House of Commons. Yeah. He's going to be the Heath of the yes. uh, Canadian Conservatives. He's going to sit there for 30 years after yeah. his leadership is yeah. over. It's true. It's Andrew Shear. yeah. But it, well, it was funny. I, I mean, Andrew Shear too, almost could have won, but except he... he, he yeah. But I think, you know what? I think what happened also with Shear had the problem. O'Toole had the problem too. They had team organizations that were flawed. They just no. They they, you know, they took twelve days to say, yeah, I'm 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 you know pro life. That's all. Yeah, yeah. You can respect a person's personal opinion. Yeah. Don't take twelve days to say it. No. We no. threw ourselves under the bus because the staff who had drunk the Kool Aid had said, "Oh no, we should not. We should. We should not have to say that." Well, I mean, sure. I mean, inf- I mean, you remember? Sure, remember. He infamously went to the TV on debate, and they asked him his personal thought of abortion, and he just kind of stuttered and stammered, and and then came out of position after. And you, you came in, and you and we all watched it. We go in and they go, "Dude, you had to know a question like this was going to come up." How could you not be prepared to answer it and, and, and say thing? And like and O'Toole's the same, and O'Toole, his team was very, very funny because on positions, he became known as Mr. Flip-Flop because they were they were sitting and saying, like they didn't know what to do on any given day. Instead of just saying, stick to your guns and stay on your principle. Well, they were trying to figure out how to they were they were reading like the mainstream newspapers and going, how can we appease how can we appease what they're talking about? And you know, you're doomed if you're gonna do that. And I'm not saying that from a populist way. It's just like you've got to have gravitas, principle, em- empathy, all that stuff, and stick to the plan. Don't don't bobble all over the place, like because you 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 have no confidence. Yeah, well, it's always been amazing to me. Who's advising these people? You know, yeah. I I I was I was in the room advising. Clark to prepare for one of the debates in, in, in the late 90s. And I didn't believe what was coming out of the other mouths. Yeah. You know, I had people who said in, in that room, oh, I would prefer more block MPs elected in Quebec than liberal MPs. And it was like, um, are I I mean, are we Canadians? Or yeah. or, or are we it, it, I, I anyway, I I came to the conclusion that I was a very small minority in that room who believed in you know whatever is best for Canada. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I I think the the rotation among the staff who advise the leader they have to have shorter tenures. Yes. Because what happens is you again you drink the Kool Aid. And you only talk amongst yourselves. And I don't know, are you and I reasonable people? Could we uh, constructively advise a leader? I'd like to think that we could. 
because we have political experience and we live in the real world. That's it. But our opinions are not solicited at a time when it matters the most. Exactly. Yeah, and that's it. And right, and and I, I'm just going to wrap it up here. Just so that I just said, Aaron O'Toole was a. If you knew him in person, he was a very smart, very well versed man. Versed man served in the army, legal career. He's like every everybody. You know, people make fun of Polyevra. He's a career politician, career all this. You go well. Polyevra had all this background, and he still muffed it. I and I, but I wish the best for. I wish for the best for the guy because deep down. He himself is a very good person, a very smart man. Mm -hmm. I think if he had been prime, prime, minister, prime minister of Canada, I think he would have been fairly decent in the role. I don't know how long he would have lasted. I don't know. He would have been the George Bush senior. of Yeah, kind of like that kind of thing. But at least they would have no, won. And You look at your inbox and you decide in an ideologically free way, what's the reasonable thing to do? Yeah. And I say it all the time about uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. The he, Brent Scrowcroft as National Security Advisor, yep. and James Baker III as Secretary of State, they managed the demise of the Soviet Union, the, the Eastern Bloc. Yep. Not a shot was fired, and yep. nobody died. The achievement of the second half of the 20th century is that. Absolutely. Don't get credit for it. Nope. Politics, that's what it is. Okay. I think, you know what? I think we covered a few things here for a one-on-one -on -one chat. I think we're going to, well, I think we'll hold here. This was good. This was kind of fun, actually. This worked out. Yeah. All right. Robert, thank you for coming out. Um, audience, thank you for listening. I, I, I literally just saw some stats from the last episode. We had a real bump up in, in, uh, list, in uh, podcast listenership for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, China, maybe China. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, listen, all the best, everybody. Take care, and uh, we'll we'll see you hopefully uh, not not in the not too distant future, probably a few more days. All right, good night, everybody.